0: Hey guys, this is Paul and Michael for the 60 Day Startup Podcast. Today we're going to be doing something a little different. We're going to be walking through a few different business ideas that Michael and I have had over the years that we just don't have the time or expertise or energy to launch. But you should. So listen in. All right, today we're going to be talking about something a little less serious, but hopefully still inspiring. Um, if you're of an entrepreneurial mind, like you probably are if you're listening to this podcast, chances are pretty good that you're coming up with wacky and maybe not so wacky business ideas all the time. Mm-hmm. I know that we are
1: yep, ever since Shark Tank aired, I think everyone and their mom was like, "I have a business idea
0: oh, yeah, absolutely <laughs> um so. I know that I have collected many of these over the years, um, whether I've been riding on a plane or just sitting, waiting at the DMV, which is a very inspiring place to be. Uh, basically, any time an idea popped in my head, I opened up a note on my phone and said, hey, I should spitball this for a little bit. Let's see what happens. Um, and as a result, I know that I have dozens upon dozens of ideas in my note, in my phone of these business ideas. And today, want to share the love a little bit maybe give you guys some of those ideas that were probably just for the sake of time and being dads and all that stuff never going to launch so take them run with them make a lot of money and you know if you do I don't know, send us a card or something.
1: <laughs> so if you, if you listened to last week's uh, episode, we ran through, um, you know, how to, to find sort of some of the best business ideas for you specifically. Um, and so these kind of fall into the department of like, oh, man, these are cool ideas, but uh, definitely not the right fit for either Paul or I. Sure. But it could be for you.
0: Yeah, and just so we can have a little bit of structure on this episode today, we're going to be asking a couple questions of each business, specifically, what kind of business is this? Is this is a digital product business, software as a service, is it a physical product, um, what problem is solving? Uh, I know that we've talked many times about how that is pretty core oh, to yeah. any business. If it's not solving a
1: problem, then it's not a business. That's
0: right. Um, who is the ideal customer? I think that would be fun to talk to. Yeah. Or talk about as it relates to each business. And then finally, how does it monetize right. um, or
1: does it? And maybe that's why we've never launched yet. Yeah, fair enough. Awesome. I think it's going to be fun. Uh, So just as a heads up, uh, most of these are, Paul and I both have our independent sort of lists in these. And so a bunch of these might even be businesses that we've never told each other before, uh, because we were just too embarrassed to bring them up or or whatever. So I think this will be fun. So this is the first time either of us are seeing some of these.
0: That's right. And one more caveat is... Uh, I don't know about you, Michael, but I haven't really done a lot of research into trying to find out whether these exist in any shape or form sure. already. Sure. So if one sounds really great to you and you do some Googling and say, hey, this already exists, hey, like, don't shoot the messenger. man. <laughs> you know, <laughs> That uh, just
1: means it was that much of a good idea and you should be a competitor.
0: At the very least, hopefully this episode gets those creative juices flowing a little bit and you can start thinking about your own business ideas if none of these matches up specifically to you. I want you to start.
1: You want me to take one? Go for
0: okay. it. Okay. Okay.
1: Oh, do I want to start weird or normal? That's the question. Why
0: don't you start us off with a normal one?
1: With a normal one. Okay. Mm-hmm. okay. 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 I've seen. I've seen maybe one company attempt this a little bit, but they've actually never launched. They're still in beta, and they've been in private beta for like three years. Okay. Um, that I think a lot of mine come from like understanding the the needs and difficulties of running an agency and being like, oh man, this would make things X times easier. Sure. So um this business would be a membership. Okay. But not a SaaS company, not a not a service-based company, a a physical product membership um basically for tech devices. Hmm. Okay. So I can join as a member and I'm paying X dollars a month, and because of that, I can get certain pro-level, let's say, prosumer or actual pro-level devices sent to me. And think about this uh, in in a way that, like, certain levels of membership gives you the ability to access certain devices. So for photographers, right, um, maybe I, like, love having all these different lenses that I can take out on a photo shoot with me. But from a financial standpoint, it really does not make a lot of sense to have so many of these, like, crazy fisheye or wide-angle or super zoom lenses actually in my roster, um, but I need them quick and I need a lot of different ones all the time. Sure, I can go to my local camera store and try to rent them, but sometimes that's going to be uh, really, really expensive because mm-hmm. I'm doing it per product. Um, but, hey, if I could have a, a membership and I can have one item out at a time or two items out at a time, depending on my level of membership – I could get a lens one week and a camera the next week and maybe, uh, you know, an iPad because I needed it for a shoot afterwards or that kind of thing. So it's basically Netflix for pro gear. Exactly, exactly. At this point, it's pro because I think, uh, you know, I I, I can see having a consumer level of this Mm. and then a pro level, but I think initially you start. In sort of the pro level because the the membership levels and what you get out of it um, is a little bit better because pros are definitely okay with putting down cash for a membership when they can see the savings mm-hmm. they get from it. On the consumer level, you know, like you can do um, payment plans and that kind of thing for consumer electronics, your phone, probably cost $1,000, but you don't see it because you pay $49 a month to Verizon or whatever. So it's like there are more competitors in that market right. than I think there are in the pro level. If anything, it's almost what like Adobe has done to Creative Suite and Photoshop okay, with their software mm-hmm. um, where like you're paying a monthly fee and getting all these updates all the time with that license. But it's just doing that with gear.
0: Right. I suppose then it would really be all about what that the threshold is in order to have, be working enough, yeah. like with Photoshop and the rest of Created Suite, um, the assumption is you're using this daily probably if you're in that field, which, you know, if you're in that field, you probably are using those tools daily. Sure. Um, so I think it, the the sort of tipping point would be finding people, whether they be photographers or audio people or whoever, right. that are using this stuff often enough where renting by the day would not make sense.
1: Exactly, right? Like the yeah. the studio musician or engineer that um, always wants sort of a rotating cast of microphones mm-hmm. or, or wants to always be able to try out the newest gear without having to buy it, right? This company buys the newest gear, makes sure we have the most um, desirable stuff in stock, and then you can rotate it in and out and always have something out um, you know, in your studio that you're using all the time. To pay sort of fractions on a dollar from a monthly standpoint, but get to use the top gear.
0: Yeah, that's interesting. To me, it would be all about figuring out sort of the, I guess, actuarial table, as it were. Yes. For what is the you know, you have basically a hundred percent use in terms of the subscription people are paying every month. Yeah. But you'll have to figure out the margin between what's the pay to use ratio because that's where a business like that makes margin otherwise you'd be better off just renting yeah. by, by the period
1: yeah, and it's kind of like a gym at that point right exactly. you'll have some people that will sign up at the lowest tier and maybe get something sent to them once a month and and hold on to it or that kind of thing yeah um you also have to be able to figure out what the most desired gear is overall and how what volume of that you need to buy how many items you need on hand, um, you know, how expensive those are versus the number of people that want them. It's definitely a lot of sort of analysis that would go into it. Um, but coming from someone who's been in multiple parts of that, oh, I need expensive gear industry, um, I definitely know there is a need, and I, I would, as of this day right now, be willing to pay some pretty top dollar to, to have something like that even just for the agency.
0: That's pretty cool. Yeah. So obviously, it's a, a subscription business. It's solving the problem of having access to top quality gear without having to pay top quality dollars for all of the gear that you want access to,
1: and to store it, right? Yeah. Like a lot of that gear, you only need once a year, once every six months. That's true. Where am I going to put, you know, that thing that I just needed for that shoot?
0: Yeah. Obviously, the ideal customer is a pro user in some level. I think you would be smart if you were launching this business. You'd be smart to start with a niche, right? Like mm-hmm. it's photographers or it's videographers right. or it's audio guys. Yeah, you know.
1: yeah exactly. Uh, you would have to be somebody like a and h uh, where you have all of that gear already on hand to be able to really like move into this in all manner of, of uh, backgrounds to start with. Right. Um, and hey, maybe B and H will launch something like that. There you go. Listen to this podcast, guys.
0: Obviously, it monetizes by the subscription fees, and maybe secondarily by the selling off of used gear after it's seen its heyday. I know that. Uh, yeah. That's the way some car le- or car rental absolutely um, companies work. So.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, car gets to fifty thousand miles. We don't want it in the rental fleet anymore. We move it off. Great way to make back the money of the
0: initial purchase. I like it. Yeah. Cool. All right. I will start with a social app slash sass. This is Tinder for playdates. Okay.
1: (laughs) Hold, hold on, clarify play dates for the audience. Exactly.
0: So uh, we don't really have this problem yet because our daughter is really young and she's not really doing play dates yet. Yeah. But some of my, you know, friends that are parents that are maybe months to years ahead of me hmm. expressed to me that it is tough to find play dates with other parents who aren't super lame. Yeah. And I was like, well, they should have Tinder for play dates. Yeah. So the way that I see it, it's a social app, obviously. I mean, and the the sort of structure of the app could be the same as Tinder, um, but you can match by kids' interests, like, hey, both of our kids are into soccer. Let's get them together and practice soccer. Okay, cool. Right. But you should also be able to match by the parents' interests. Because don't match me up with Bob that wants to talk about football all day long, because, you know, I want to talk about video games. So that probably wouldn't work out well.
1: (laughs) And to be honest, kids are a lot more forgiving than parents are when it comes to who they they have to hang out with.
0: That's... Probably sadly true. Yeah. it d- yeah.
1: depends on what age. Anyway, my, my almost two year old would pretty much be fine hanging out with most any any kid, but parents, nah.
0: Yeah, so obviously matching by interest is huge. Um, hopefully, you're not swiping left and right based on the parents' attractiveness. That would be really weird. I think that's a different app.
1: Yeah, maybe you don't have a picture. In yeah, that one. maybe you
0: don't. Yeah. Um, and uh, you know. Location um there could be some other sort of keyword matching uh monetization is you, have, uh, you
1: could have reviews too based upon previous play dates. oh gosh You're like ooh, this guy's a two star play date. I don't know,
0: well you know why does not Tinder have reviews? Oh <laughs> actually, I have no idea what if Tinder has reviews or not, um but I have never heard of that, so yeah. or just uh, like a
1: catfish badge,
0: oh gosh, <laughs> um so yeah, obviously. That is the structure of the app. Um, the monetization happens from advertising, which would be just very plentiful. Yeah. Uh, you and I both know as new parents that new parents need to buy lots of stuff all sure. the time. So yeah. very easy to advertise to. And then do you do like an in-app purchase to remove advertising or that kind of thing? Sure, deal? or uh, maybe there's a premium level um, yeah. as well, yeah. you know? Yeah. And for playdates. Yeah.
1: Your parent out there, let us know what you think. Cool. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Um. What other? Okay, I'll I'll see if I can pull one in that's a little (coughs) different from either of those. We had a we had a physical membership. We had a SaaS social app. Social app. Let's go for. I want to do. Go goofy. Go goofy. Go goofy. Okay, this is, one, this is one that's real niche, Okay, real super niche that comes from my music background. Um, and uh, you know what? Someday I might actually start this, but this definitely falls into the department of um, things that I'm really interested in learning about and knowing about, but I don't have the technology background to do this yet. Okay. And so it's, it's not a launchable business for me yet. All right. Yet, caveat yet. If you're if you have the knowledge for this and want to join me, we'll do this.
0: Michael's looking for a co-founder. Come yeah. on, yeah. Okay, so my potentially
1: co-founded business. I'm going to go backwards on this one here. I'm going to I'm going to start. I'm going to tell you how it's going to monetize first. Okay. Okay.
0: If it has to do with music, that's a good place to start. Yeah, yeah. I know,
1: I know. <laughs> so this one is literally going to monetize off of streaming royalties. Oh gosh. Okay. Yes. Yes. Uh-huh. Which is a thing, and can exist if you do it at scale mm-hmm. and you own both the publishing and the recorded master. Yeah. You sure. know, uh, and, and, and in this scenario we would, so this is going to be something that creates music and then allows it to stream and allows people to listen to it. Um, and then we, we earn money through like streaming royalties through ad revenue on YouTube and that mm-hmm. kind of thing. Okay. Um, this idea came from the fact that I, I tend to listen to wordless music at work mm-hmm. when we're working along and when I'm doing something I really want to focus. And in general, um, a, a genre of music that I found I tend to like listening to when I work is chill hop. Sure. Yeah. I don't know if you guys are familiar with chill hop music. It's kind of like uh, a relaxing kind of thing. Um, they mix in a couple, you know, like old fifties movie quotes here and <laughs> yeah. there, and with like Random a hip hop sci
0: fi quotes. Exactly,
1: yeah. with a hip hop beat. But there's kind of a formula to it. Yeah. Sure. Right. There's kind of a formula, and it's to the point that. Technology is is far enough from an algorithmic standpoint and from a machine learning standpoint that we could pretty much build that formula as an algorithm, um, set things up with you know Ableton or or other tools um, and be able to sort of say hey algorithm or hey machine learning uh, thing that I've set up here's a collection of samples here's a collection of drum patterns here's a collection of other things that uh, I want you to pull from based upon um, past items of chill hop music. Sure. And I want you to generate at random for me 100, 200, 300 different chill hop tracks at specific lengths. Gotcha. And to create them.
0: So that just brings into mind this whole other debate, which is if you create an algorithm that is creating something, Mm -hmm. is it you that owns it or is the algorithm that owns the IP? You know, I, and then we're going to start having... I mean, once robots are sentient, then there's going to be all sorts of rights violations because they're not <laughs> going to be able to own anything. Um,
1: well, lucky, lucky for me, I've already named the robot and the algorithm so that it can have its own IP, and I'll just be owner of, oh, of that
0: tool. So owner of the robot, so this like, business, like a slave?
1: Exactly. Okay, This business... It's called Chili Vanilli.
0: Chili Vanilli. I love it. That's perfect. So
1: Chili Vanilli is a content creation business. That's Uh the kind of business it is. Um, The problem it's solving is, you know, uh, questionable, um, whether or not there is a lack of good chill hop music out there um, or whether it's just that like, hey, this is a genre that you can really innovate inside of because people are listening constantly. Mm -hmm. And if you can be the person that basically... Fills the market with the with the mass amount of music because you're creating it faster than anyone else can, um, then you're solving the problem more than the other people are or maybe creating other problems. But that's beside the point. Nice. Um, ideal customer, to me, is going to be that passive listener, right? And there are yep. a lot more of those passive listeners these days, especially people who are subscribed to streaming services or who pull up music on YouTube. Far more passive listeners than active listeners. Uh, in fact, I've become a passive listener in a lot of ways. Uh, and so that's really the, the target market there. Someone listening for, looking for study music, someone looking for focus music while they work. Um, and how does it monetize? Hey, we started there, man. It's all about those streaming royalties, uh, for, uh, um, my good old friend, Chili. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and seeing if we can make some ad revenue by having our own giant YouTube channel.
0: There it is. Yeah. I love it. It's That's good. Play. That's good. And Chili should have a friend that also makes those cute little anime graphics of like the girl who's listening on the headphones with the cat next to her on the YouTube video. Yeah. So you got to come up with that business as well.
1: It could be, uh... Hmm. I, oh, I, need, I need a name of someone fa- famous for making anime and we can play with their names yeah
0: we'll get back to you on that
1: we'll also have some kind of um robot lawyer that uh does content id and sends out cease and desist letters for anyone copying it
0: perfect and michael will link his <laughs> favorite lo-fi chillhop stations in the show notes Bam. so look for that um okay i will go on to my next one uh you know what I have a big idea. I think I'll move on to something big. To something big. Okay. So, I think a, a lot of times when I'm thinking about business, I'm thinking about sort of uh businesses that can, you know, solve social issues and help draw people closer together and um and maybe potentially address a lot of the sort of obstacles that we have today in, you know, our American society. We, you know, we have people that don't really understand or empathize with other certain groups' walks of life. Yeah. Um, and certainly there are underprivileged groups of people. There are people who are economically disserviced just by the nature of the way that this country is right now. And that's not to say anything disparaging about our country. I happen to be a big fan of our country. But the um, just the way that things are, that there are certainly people who are not getting their fair share. Yeah. So a lot of times when I'm thinking of business ideas, I'm thinking of things that can address that. Anyway, so this business is called The Calf. Now, the name comes from the term that we uh, affectionately called The Cafeteria College. Okay. Um, because it was sort of like a meeting place, a watering hole, as yeah. it were, and everyone would, you know, obviously you went there to eat. Yeah. But you ended up hanging out for a long time. and it's a community social location. Exactly. Yeah. Um, so, <clears throat> it's a service business, obviously. Uh, it's a brick and mortar. You yeah. have to go there to eat. Okay. Restaurant sort of business. Um, but it's got a membership model. Um, and the real big idea here is that the calf is not a restaurant that you go out to eat because you are feeling like you want to have a date or a special night out or whatever. It's, this is going to be a habit for people. This is like, uh, almost the way that like every plate is for home. Sure. But like my calf membership has three meals a week. I have assigned meals. Or, I mean, I have assigned days that I go, um, so I can see people that I know, maybe I can see new people. But the real, here, the real thing here is that it would have sort of a diversity and inclusion element to it, where the membership pricing would be uh, based off of income range, okay. and also, for any level of income, the per meal cost would be quite low, sure. um, because... I'm, you know, I've never been in the restaurant business except for waiting tables, but I haven't ever managed or started a restaurant. Yeah, yeah. Um, I know that the margins are rough. Yeah. uh, But I assume that the margins are rough a lot of times because of waste, because of inconsistencies in terms of uh, seating, in terms of like uh, capacity.
1: Also because you're in the regular restaurant business, you Are having to mark up the exact meal that is being ordered to cover the cost um, versus being able to do some kind of statistical analysis of a membership basis um, to know, okay, built into this, I have margin, not just based upon the amount of food that's
0: being consumed. Exactly. So you'll save margins. In all those areas, you'll have consistency, you'll know know who's going to show up, you'll uh, have a smaller menu per night, more set up like a cafeteria would, where you have, you know, maybe a a dozen things um, from a few different stations. Uh, It is set up more like cafeteria-style dining. Uh, The restaurant itself costs less because it could be set up more like picnic table-style dining rather than uh, the space of individual tables and and all that, so you have a higher capacity. and the uh, it could become more of a community center event, like the food is not the event, the food is the means to an end, yeah, you know you know what uh,
1: What I love most about this idea is it's it 's kind of a throwback idea. Um, to small-town America maybe Absolutely. 40, 50, 60 years ago, um, my grandmother grew up in a mountain town, mm-hmm. and they definitely had something like this in there. It was just the local cafeteria, right? Yeah. And I think a lot of small towns before large-chain restaurants and fast food and that kind of thing came to be had a lot of these local cafeterias that would have you know, a ro- rotating buffet mm-hmm. um, that you pay a small price. and, and, you know, a fair price and go and do that. But, again, a lot of it was more based around, oh, we're going to go down to the the cafeteria because, you know, all my my friends from work or whatever, my community are going to be down there and we're going to socialize there. It's the same place they do bingo night or, you know, those kind of things. And I think we've lost, I mean, definitely in big cities, we have lost so much of that community.
0: Oh, yeah. So obviously, one of the aims of this business is to solve that issue. Hmm. Um, and I think that there could be an element of making sure that people, whether through assigned seating or or some other mechanism, got to have community with different groups of people for different lengths of time, um, and not just people that are from their exact neighborhood or their exact socioeconomic position, but mixed in with other groups from the community to sort of force this, um, this like, uh, you know, experience of other people's
1: walks of life. Man, you could even automate, this is me being silly, but you could even automate and randomize that to where basically like, you go and eat and then you're assigned a table number Mm. and that's where your food's gonna be brought out to or whatever and Mm. like it's assigned next to someone that you'd never sat beside before.
0: Absolutely, that's part of the idea. Um, And then, uh, so obviously there's tons of things you can think about with this idea, um, but there's one hilarious idea that I've had in relation to this business that I wanna bring up. So one of the things that I thought about was, well, there's a large group of people that uh, you know are... On EBT, they're on food stamps yeah. that I would want to serve at this, but uh, food stamps can't be used at restaurants, at least to at least as far as I know that they can't. Okay. However, the restaurant or the calf has a small attached grocery store that only sells in exact quantities for the meal that you're eating tonight, the exact ingredients for the meal that you're eating tonight, and only accepts EBT. So if you come in that entrance and you buy the groceries for the meal tonight, as a bonus, we'll cook it for you. Cook it for you. <laughs> so, sure. We're not charging you for that. Exactly. So that's the that's the the workaround of getting um, EBT accepted for the, the meals. I like that. Anyway, that's just hilarious. I'm sure that there's probably someone from... Uh, Some government lawyer. Yeah, you know <laughs> I mean, like, no, I don't think so. That's not going to work. <laughs> um, anyway, so that's the calf. I like it. I like it a
1: lot. So would you... Just out of curiosity, would you launch it as a nonprofit or as a for-profit?
0: Um, you know, I don't know enough about nonprofits to say. Okay. I, I would, you know, if it could be launched as a for-profit, why not? You know,
1: sure, you can do more good uh, with the money that's there. Yeah. So, I love it. Okay, um, let me see if I can pull out another idea here that is not completely ridiculous. Hmm. I'm scrolling through all of my machine learning music projects right now because there's a lot of, a lot of them. Yeah. I must have gotten on a machine learning spree there for a while. Okay, I've got a, I've got a very simple one that um, we're going to go back to agency need here. Okay. But you can also pull at it from a personal need um, if you're doing some, like, brand, some personal branding here. Sure. Um, this is a really simple one. Software as a service. Um, And the idea here from a branding perspective is that um, when you're trying to visually brand your business or visually brand yourself as an artist or whatever your like, Facebook page or business or whatever it might be um, from a design perspective, you always want to be able to be concise in both your messaging and your visuals. Mm -hmm. Um, And sometimes it can be really tough to do, especially if you're really good at updating some of your visuals, like your profile pic or your, Facebook cover or that kind of thing to fit whatever the like promotion is or whatever the season is that kind of thing. It can be um, kind of tough to remember. Oh crap! I have this over on this profile and I haven't updated my LinkedIn imagery for years or whatever. Right. A lot of um, companies or you know people have just multiple profiles everywhere. Right. So the idea of this software platform, I'm going to call it Uniform. Okay. The idea of this is to be able to help you synchronize your look and feel across multiple platforms and, and uh, profiles uh, with the click of a button. Okay. So you would upload um, basically one sort of image or one look and feel, and it will help you cut it up into multiple different um, scenarios, multiple different formats based yep. upon what that platform needs. Sure. And then actually upload it and, and save it for you. Nice. Yeah. Um It's a very simple tool, right? It's not trying to do too much. Of course, I'm sure you can add features to it. Right. You could do all kinds of other things. But right now, that's really all it's trying to do. It's trying to help you create a uniform look and feel across all of your social media with one push.
0: I think that's very cool. And it does combine some of the most compelling parts of some things that already exist but don't do it together. Yeah. Um, I know that a lot of times when we're working with the different softwares we use to... Do these kind of things in the agency, I often feel this um uh like like platform overload, oh yeah, I'm like oh, I have to first I have to go to canva to do this thing, and then I have to export it, and then I have to bring it into later. And then when I'm done with there, I have to go over to Hootsuite. And <laughs> it's just like, what is, what is happening?
1: Oh, yeah. And then you're like, well, can I automate this? Sure. Okay, let me tie Z- like Zapier, another platform, in to try and like, connect all the... It just gets... Yeah, it's gross. That's cool. So this is trying to solve one simple, simple thing. And I think, from you know, uh, an ideal customer standpoint, obviously here we, we're talking probably about um, businesses that are looking to do this for them. But I think for the average person, or for you know, a prosumer or an artist or something, like, someone like that it would be beneficial. But I would probably release it with a free level, mm-hmm. right? That like maybe lets you do one sync a month across all your platforms and just like, yeah, okay, great. There it is. We're done. Um, and then sort of the paid version have some more premium features helped you crop and create and, and that kind of deal, um, you know, give you unlimited platforms or unlimited changes or even better templates to help do those things, put badges on your, on your profile pick, that kind of deal. Um, so there's real simple ways you could, you know, make it cool. And- Premium service, but it's also one of those beautiful types of SaaS platforms that it's pretty simple to create. It's only going to involve a couple of integrations and a very small overhead from a functionality standpoint, mm-hmm. um, and then it's done. And then it's just bringing people in from marketing and sales.
0: I like it. Yeah, it's cool. Yeah, uniform. Nice. This is the the social staring contest app. So it may not seem like it, but. This is actually another social progress app, as okay. it were. Okay. Because I, I saw some like, I don't know, BuzzFeed video or something a while back that had an actual article attached to it from a more notable source, I'm sure. Mm-hmm. Uh that was talking about how there you can develop a deep level of empathy with another person mm-hmm. just by staring into their eyes for a long time. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So that got me thinking of how as as you know, I was probably on the same train of thought that generated the calf, uh, which was how can you sort of force the development of empathy with other people by leveraging these soft uh these platforms that uh, were intended to connect us with others that have only really served to uh, to separate us from yeah. others so um the social Staring Contest app is very straightforward. It matches you up with a random person, and you have to stare at them for as long as you can. It tracks your eyes, and the first person to blink loses. And then there's a leaderboard. But, but at the same time, you are having to interact with this person that you don't know and potentially... Generating some level of, of connection with them, uh-huh. and it's it's the gamified, but it's so simple, and uh, that's that's it in a nutshell. Um, so obviously, in terms of what kind of businesses it is, this is a social app. This is a software as a service. Um, monetization wise, uh, ads. It would have to be a free app, and then oh, yeah, place ads between. And connects. Maybe, maybe, possibly some like uh some in-app purchases i mean
1: you could do you could do some pretty awesome power play in that purchases <laughs> that are like things to get the other person yeah, distracted like
0: hilarious filters right and like, puppy right dog. like yeah. pay
1: pay a buck and get this filter pack that like puts crazy floating things behind you or tries to get them to laugh I or, love it. yeah
0: um what problem is it solving it's solving the problem of disconnection between people and who's the ideal customer um I mean, I want to say everyone that feels disconnected is the ideal customer, but likely the ideal customer is probably millennial types because that's probably who would think that it was hilarious.
1: I really like that idea. It reminds me of um, Nathan, uh, one of of our uh, guys that helps us with ads over here, told me about something he was doing recently to help him focus and study. And it's a service out there that connects you with another um, remote worker, mm-hmm. basically, and it could be another country, another state or whatever. And basically what you do is you you log in for a specific session and then you basically just say like, okay, great, hey, I'm, I'm Nathan and I'm going to work on this today. What's your name? Great, you're working on what? Okay. And then you just sit down with your cameras on and start working. And the idea is that in office places or remote work situations where you really have no other workers around you there's very little accountability to like force you to sit down and do things in a specific time and so what this does is you and someone else are basically working together and then when the session is done you like to have a little conversation about like did you get that done what happened was that good okay great and you move on to your next session or stop working there it is yeah but i think this social connect idea you have going is something that could have a lot of track behind it because i feel like a lot of the things that have been happening in tech while it seems to give us the idea that it's connecting the actual um the actual things that are happening inside those apps are actually making us further and further disconnected whereas something like your calf um, or, like, the social staring contest could have the tendency, the ability to actually connect people a little bit.
0: Yeah, and I think that for a long time, academics and bloggers were saying that we were being disconnected. Mm-hmm. But I think that finally, in the last maybe year or so, people are finally feeling it. They're like, wow, I and most of the people that I know am feeling more anxious. I'm feeling more depressed. Um, Could it be because of this technology that's making me feel like I'm missing out on some sort of magical life that doesn't exist while also not, you know, not encouraging me to go interact with real people that do exist?
1: I Um, would love to see some economists dig into um, actual stats of like restaurant visits and purchases and like the frequency of the average American to go out and socialize with someone in that type of setting um, pre-iPhone Mm-hmm. and post iphone sure you know i think you know or say like like the year before the iphone was released and then like today yeah um to just see what 10 like what kind of effect we can maybe able to connect to that um to say like our our is our social media actually bringing us closer together or having us spend less time in the physical community
0: totally well that is probably going to wrap it up for today. Hopefully this uh gave you maybe a couple of giggles, maybe a couple inspirational bursts. Um you know, that's uh that's kind of what we do as entrepreneurs. We generate ideas and every once in a while something hits us and it's like, yeah, I'm I'm going to pour something into that. Yeah. Um and I love some of these ideas. I I love the gear rental thing. Let's review what we did. Sure. So, um I did Tinder for playdates. Tinder for playdates. Um, I did the um, social staring contest app Yep. and the uh, the CAF, which is that community center slash cafeteria subscription.
1: You got it. And on my side, I had the pro to prosumer gear subscription. Yep. Uh, membership model. We had good old Chili Vanilli. Chili Vanilli. Can't forget them. I love it. And then, lastly, uniform to kind of sync up your brand across multiple platforms. Um, guys, we want to know what do you have ideas. You know, uh, feel free to hit us up on Instagram or Facebook. Um, if you feel like you need to sign an NDA before you share it with us don't share it with us. (laughs) Also, don't do that.
0: Yeah, that's way lame. Um,
1: But, you know, we'd love to hear from you, uh, especially if you have crazy ideas that aren't right for you. Share them with the world. Maybe it's going to be right for somebody else and you can get that thing made. Uh, That just needs to be out there. And that's someone else's Uh, talent base can really pull from and and do. Um, Also, if you guys love what you're hearing on this podcast, make sure to rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. It uh, helps more people find us and uh, get some information so they can start their
0: businesses. That's right. We'll see you next time on 60 Days Startup Podcast.